Hello and welcome to On Air with Elk River Treatment Program for Teens, the residential program of Pinnacle Behavioral Health. I'm Selena Mason, the Director of Marketing and Outreach. Today we welcome Amy Moore, Clinical Coordinator for Elk River Treatment Program. Thank you, Amy, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. Thanks for having me, Selena. When did you join the team at Elk River? I have been with Elk River since May 2015, so going on six years this year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, it's gone fast. Had a couple kids since then, right? Yes. <laughs> Added some more to the treatment team. Right. <laughs> well, to be treatment team. <laughs> yeah. To be students. No, no, no. I'm kidding. What experience did you have when you joined Elk River? Um, you came from... I came from an adult substance abuse program, and um, I honestly was actually scared to work with teens. <laughs> we did have a teenage program uh, at the place that I was previously, and just the nature of the program, um, I didn't have a lot of experience with them, and um, they were kind of like this anomaly to me. And so um, I was nervous, but um, I had people who worked at the program who introduced it to me, and um, I liked the style of therapy that I heard about. And so I became interested. And, um, when I joined, I was just amazed with the team approach. Um, that was very different from what I came from as far as how all of the staff work together from the medical director of the psychiatrist, um, you know, all the way down to our group leaders and how everyone had, um, a say in a client's treatment was really cool. So that comes into play twice a week when you have treatment team meetings, right? Yes. Well, twice a week when we actually meet with the psychiatrist and then um, once a week is our big treatment team where everyone is involved. Amy, I'm sure you get a lot of questions from parents once their child is admitted to the program. I know they're in crisis when they call it missions. We go through the process of assessments, evaluations and see that they're a good fit. Then they're admitted to the program. Um, then say you're assigned as their therapist, their primary therapist. They have a lot of questions for you. Can you maybe answer some of those questions, The most, maybe the most common questions they ask? Yeah. So, you know, in general, they want to know how we do things clinically. And so um, first and foremost, we um, function in a positive peer culture manner, meaning that the majority of our therapeutic work is done in a group format. Um, and that may be different from what they've experienced on either an outpatient basis or even in other programs. Um, and, and that's okay. We all have our different styles, but we have found that for our setting, uh, the group dynamic works the best with the kids. Um, peers are really important to this age population. And so being in a mixture of kids that are um, taking emotional risks and working to change their behaviors and um, seeing that there are positive conse consequences for, um, you know, the other teenagers in the program doing that tends to motivate other kids to want to participate in that too. Um, and so, but we do have, while group is our priority, we do also have individual work that we do um, with our clients, as well as we include the family. Um, so families um, receive weekly update calls from the therapist that's working with their child. Um, we also have sessions with the families and the child either via phone, phone or Zoom. Um, given the nature of today's day and age, we have had to uh, cross over into the virtual world. And so Zoom. Um, and then we also have on-campus uh, visits that parents are able to also participate in a training where we um, educate them and assist them and support them um, in their journey. I'm guessing that's important that they're practicing the things that they're learning with their child mm -hmm. and the child is practicing 
uh, maybe better con- communication skills with their parents. And so that one-on-one with their parents on campus has got to be good practice for them. Very much so. Um, the family component is vital to a kid's success. Um, I like to use the example of maybe a mobile that you would put above an infant's crib. Um, you know, it works all in balance together. And when one of those tiers is not active, everything's off balance. And that's how a family is. You know, we are all united and we all work together towards one goal as a family. And when one person is off, it is not just the one person's fault or responsibility to fix it. It is everybody because we're a family in a solid unit. And so those family interactions are really important. Um, one, yes, like you said, helping improve that communication. Um, but also learning how to just uh, parent differently. You know, we as parents... Um, there is no manual that comes with our child when they're born. And so I found that out. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm in process of finding that out. And, um, my, you know, we parent based off of how we were parented. And if we haven't done the therapeutic work that may be necessary, depending on some of our backgrounds, um, you know, our child is not us. And so parenting them the way we were parented sometimes doesn't always work. Right. Well, it's it's a different age now. Yeah, it definitely is. And so being able to receive the training that we provide, um, but also figure out how to um, interact with your child in a different way is vital, too, which is also why we encourage the family not just to participate in our part of the programs that involve the family, but how vital it is for families to do their own therapeutic work during this time. So they should be in therapy at home while their child is in therapy at Elk River. At Elk River, yes. And in therapy, talking about themselves, not talking about their child, um, but addressing, you know, what they, um, how they parent their child or um, maybe how they were raised impacts their ability to parent their child or just maybe any unresolved trauma that they may have themselves. Do you find that's common um, with parents whose children are at the program that they discover something uh, about themselves while their child is in treatment? Yeah, we've had some parents that they have uh, discovered things about themselves because we actually asked the parents to do the same therapeutic work that we asked the kids to do, which is our base model um, is a cognitive behavior therapy tool uh, called the Courage Circle. And we asked the parents to do their own Courage Circle as well and take that to their therapist. And so sometimes they may find something new or they may um, just make some realizations that maybe they didn't have previously, uh, make some new connections. Um, So there's a variety of directions it can go for a family. Okay. The Courage Circle. Can you explain that to me? what that exercise is? Yeah. So the courage circle is how we help our kids connect their thoughts and their feelings and their behaviors together. Um, When it's drawn out on a piece of paper, it looks like a big old bullseye. Um, And in the center of that bullseye um, is what we call core issues. Um, At Elk River, we believe that um, we all have losses that were out of our control in our life. And those losses could be a variety of things. Sometimes they're really obvious, like different forms of abuse or abandonment or um, death, things of that nature. Or sometimes it can be more covert, um, what we call adverse childhood experiences, where it could be um, divorce, moving a lot, uh, growing up in a neighborhood where um, your safety was at risk, or um, growing up with with uh, a parent or family member that's important to you in jail or having their own mental health issues, things of that nature. Um, 
And so that's what they eventually get to identify. Most kids do not come in and are able to identify that first off. Um, Our goal with the Courage Circle is to have them work inwards. And so um, we encourage them to look uh, on those outward circles from after core issue. The next one is their feelings. And so being able to look at what feelings are related to those core issues. And then the third circle is the thoughts and feel, or sorry, um, behaviors. Got that all mixed up. <laughs> so you've got core issues and then feelings um, and thoughts and then negative behaviors. And typically negative behaviors is where we have the kids start. That's the most obvious and easiest to identify. Uh, and the very last fourth uh, circle of the Courage Circle is new tools, coping skills. Um, and that's typically towards the end of the program that we really have them hone in on that circle. So let's let's give parents an example of some yeah. negative behavior, um, maybe some out of control anger over a situation that you really don't think warrants it. Would would you stop the group at that point and and try to process with that child what that behavior might be connected to? Yeah, if they're exhibiting something like that in the moment, definitely we would want to uh, be able to de-escalate that situation and help walk them through. Um, what are you feeling? What's going on underneath that? And and for our kids, helping them understand that, um, as has been discussed in a previous podcast, um, that anger is the action. What is the true feeling underneath? Is it that sadness, that hurt, that disrespect? Um, and so, yeah, while we have our clients, we definitely want to address things in the moment, in real time, so they're able to walk through this process. So they're not sitting in like a dorm room type atmosphere waiting on group. They're actually doing something say something happens, um, positive or negative, mm-hmm. and you're able to process that right then. Yep, very much so. We've got our group leaders that go through a very thorough training. Most of them also have backgrounds um, in mental health, in criminal justice, something of that nature. Um, and so they're very skilled to be able to see in the moment what's going on and be able to help the clients in those moments say, what's this behavior about? What is that connected to? Do they often catch on to core issues? I mean, uh, or do they just try to take a stab at it every now? I mean, is this something that you work on every week, you know, every few days? Do they work on a courage circle? Does it change? Yeah, great questions. So we have a courage circle group that they do once a week while with us, but this language and this approach we use every day. Um, And it does take a little bit of time, you know, for most of our kids, When they first come in, um, the courage circle, they tend to be very blaming with the courage circle. And so to your other question of does it change, it does. Um, And so a lot of times it's, well, it's their fault. That's why I was acting this way. Versus towards the end when a client is getting ready to graduate from the program, there's a little bit more ownership. So an example I like to use is um, a, a teen Um, that likes to, or not likes to, but a teen that uh, punches holes in the walls when they get angry. And so in the beginning, when they first get to the program, the courage circle, it may be, well, um, mom and dad fighting makes me punch holes in the walls because I'm angry. Oh, okay. And, you know, parents may be able to say, yeah, we do fight a lot, um, but I still don't understand how that makes you punch a hole in the wall. And so as they go through the program, it may progress to, um, 
Well, it, it's not anger. It's actually scared when you guys are fighting, and that's what makes me punch a hole in the wall. Okay, well, you're giving me a little bit more information. That's good. And hopefully by the time they leave, what the conversation really is is, well, Mom and Dad, when you guys fight, you say really scary things to each other, and you talk about divorcing each other, um, and I, I get really scared, and I don't know what to do with that, and so I want you guys to stop fighting, so then I punch a hole in the wall to distract you guys so you guys don't say those things anymore. Um, and so now we're addressing what is going on in the family, which is a true thing, but the client is taking ownership for the choices that they're making in that moment and being able to connect everything together. And so now we're able to do the work of how do we work together as a family to communicate and fight in a healthy way. Um, but then also how does the client learn to express or deal with their feelings of scared in a more productive so way? So that would be that last circle on better coping skills? Yep. Yep, definitely. So things, um, you know, some of those coping skills may be journaling. Um, what we use the most at our program is journaling and communicating. Um, you know, most of our clients that come, I have yet to meet a kid who can't tell me a healthy coping skill. The issue is what is preventing them from choosing to use that healthy coping skill. And that's where those initial circles of the courage circle assist in that process. Um, but we have found that talking to the family, attending therapy and journaling, Journaling are the three basic foundations of a client being able to deal with what they need to in a more productive manner. Can you tell me why journaling is so important, even with adults, but we're mm -hmm. talking about teenagers right now. Yeah. I'm sure most teenagers don't journal. No, they think they're that we're crazy when we first ask them to do it. And typically like with a pen, you know. Yes, old school, pen and paper, doing the journaling, not text words, um, you know, actually full sentences and that whole process. Um, and also that it's not a diary. Most of the time kids first off approach it as if it's a diary of, you know, today the sun was shining and we started off eating biscuits and gravy and, you know, this is what I did today and this is what so-and-so said versus true journaling of this is the feeling that came up for me or this is the behavior that was going on and this is what I was feeling in that moment and this is the hurt that I have or, you know, when this happened in my life, um, being able to address the meat of the issue. Um, most of our kids, though, once they've get in the habit of journaling, find that it's really beneficial for them. And it's because our brain works in a couple different ways. You know, talking serves one purpose for us. Thinking serves another purpose for us. Writing serves another purpose. And when we put all of that together, um, which writing allows us to do, it's making all parts of our brain work on the one issue. And so we're able to accomplish more in um, problem solving. Something I hear a lot um, in the recovery world is um, I, I just got in my head. Mm -hmm. I, I was just in my head, and I didn't understand what that meant. Um, later, I think through you guys, I realized that writing something down allows me to get it out of my head. Yes. And I'm not in that constant merry-go-round or, you know, that it, I can't concentrate on anything else because this one thing is plaguing you know, my brain cells. Yes. And if I can get those out on paper, it doesn't solve the problem, but it certainly releases some of that tension. It releases some of the tension and it also helps us to realize maybe what thinking errors that we have too. Um, I can talk anything into sounding real good inside my head because I have no one else competing with me. <laughs> um, I have no one else hearing it saying, Amy, that's not great. Um, but when I take what's in my thoughts and I put it on paper and I read it out loud, sometimes it's like, well, that doesn't make much sense or 
um, no, that's not exactly true. Or I'm able just to confront maybe what the issues are related to that um, and be able to realize maybe I'm minimizing something or maybe I'm making something a really big deal and it's not that big of a deal. Um, or maybe it just flat out doesn't make sense at all. And, and so it helps give us some clarity for sure. Do kids learn to recognize patterns of their behaviors and mm-hmm. identify maybe certain triggers? Um, Um, Clients with substance abuse are able to recognize what feelings that they are, you know, attempting to cover or avoid or change. You know, substance abuse is all about um, putting yourself into a different state. And so being able to figure out um, what it is about your sober state that you are uncomfortable with and what leads to you choosing the substances. Because a lot of parents admit their children when they believe that their substance use is out of control. Mm-hmm. And, and and I certainly would agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, a sa- safety is number one issue here. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure the, the kids are safe. But it's almost never really just substance abuse that's going on. Am I right? Correct. Yeah, we um, and we're actually what's considered co-occurring with our treatment and that we um, are not just substance abuse, but we also manage everything else that comes along with it. But um, yeah, the, the substance abuse. What we explain to the kids in regards to the courage circle is that's a behavior. Um, yes, it's in our diagnosing, you know, manual for clinicians, but it's a behavior. And so what is it that you're trying to treat with that behavior? And most of the time they're able to relate it to um, sadness and hurt and anxiety um, or thinking errors or, um, you know, I feel alone and I have found this peer group that participates in this. And so um, I want to be with that peer group. And so we're able to help them identify, well, what's going on for you that being a part of this peer group who's doing these behaviors is so important for you. Um, And so, yeah, it's usually a lot more than than just the, the substance use at hand. So the kids get used to journaling and putting their words to paper. And we also actually have them. Um, continue practicing that skill by most of communication with the family is through letter writing. You know, I mentioned that we have phone sessions and Zoom sessions and the parent um, visits, but in between all of that, we still want families working on their communication. We still want kids explaining what they're learning about the Courage Circle and what they're learning about themselves. And so they do this through letter writing. And again, that's another way to help um, take what's in your thoughts and put pen to paper, and it slows the communication process down, um, which is actually really beneficial. Uh, In today's day and age, um, everything is done so fast, and you're tweeting that thought or sending that text or shooting that email, uh, sometimes before you're able to really think it through. And you can't take it back. You cannot take it back. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then you're having to cover that up. And so... um, It slows it down a lot, which allows them to be able to hear what the other person is saying um, and then come up with a response. Um, And so it's actually pretty cool to see a lot of our families choose to, when they bring their child home, have like a family journal uh, to kind of keep this method going because they have found that it just helps open up that door of communication. That's really interesting, and I know it's an important part of the therapeutic process. Mm-hmm. Um, to wrap up, just give me another, just a, another, just um, revisit the courage circle. The center is the core issue, core issues, and yep. then, but you start with the negative behaviors or the maladaptive behaviors, right? Correct. Because, That's the easier way to do it. So, so if a child is 
uh, exhibiting maladaptive behaviors, you're helping them trace that to the core issue. The now, core how, issue. how do they get there? What's that journey? Yeah. So they start by identifying those negative or maladaptive behaviors. So running away, drug use, um, yelling, fighting, self-harm, suicidal ideation, whatever the case may be. And the next question is, how do you feel when those things are happening? What feeling is going on before you make the choice to do one of those things? Um, and then that's typically where anger, a lot of times kids will use depression um, and we try to keep them away from using clinical words like depression and anxiety. We want them to talk about sca- scared and sad um, because depression is actually the absence of no feeling. And so we want them to be able to tap into what is it that's truly being experienced in the body. And so we help them um, fine tune that. Some of our kids also don't really know feelings language. So just learning my go to is mad, sad, glad and scared. Let's start there. Those are our four basic feelings. Um, and then we can branch out after that. So they identify those feelings or maybe those thinking errors, you know, um, I'm having self-harm thoughts or suicidal thoughts because I don't feel like I have any worth. Okay. Well now let's talk about where'd you get the message? You don't have any worth. And, and where did you get that perception from? Or where have you felt sad before? Where have you felt disrespected before? And that typically, um, lines them up with that core issue, that loss that was out of their control that they have some really big feelings about. So core issues actually drive Certain our core issues create feelings that drive behaviors. Yes. And then we can replace the behaviors with a more positive coping skill. Yeah. And learn, I got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and learn how to just grieve those losses and deal with those feelings. Now, is it good for parents to do their own courage circle? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like we talked about, it would be great for them to do the courage circle and be able to take to their therapist. Um, even if they feel like they have um, been through their own therapy and work through all of that. If you've got a kid that's in treatment, that's a perfect opportunity just to, um, go in for that oil change, so to speak, and get that tune up in therapy and just make sure you've covered all your bases. Well, we can never learn too much. I can say that. Correct. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to On Air with Elk River Treatment Program, the residential program of Pinnacle Behavioral Health. And thank you, Amy, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. To learn more about our residential program for teens, visit elkrivertreatment.com or you can email info at elkrivertreatment.com. You can also call us directly at 866-906-TEEN and that's 8336. Thanks again and we hope you'll join us next time on air.